to witness. The awesome. Crushing tonight. Oh my. mistake there. I said, I'm taking a real good look in your face. Oh, Mr. P is here. And the, the actual line is, I'm taking a real good look at your face. But first, we got a little housekeeping. Uh, Mr. P reminds me, I got the new issue of uh, Decibel in the mail. And then I did the, did, 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 did. look at all that jujitsu. I didn't mention you by name, Mr. P. I didn't know if you wanted your name mentioned. But uh, Damage Inc. in the new Decibel if you're interested in heavy metal uh, and, and pontificating in a written format. Uh -huh. Also, hold on, hold on, hold on. Susie Panga was as good as her word, sent this back to me from, the, from England rather than put it out by the bin for the free box that she had in front of her house. So this is it. This is it. What you decide in the comments or, or later or during or after the show, what should I do with this? Should I sign it and auction it off, or, or what do we do? And speaking of which, commercials at the top of the hour, pinko95014 at yahoo.com. If you want to PayPal stuff, patreon.com slash the stomper or stomperville. I can never remember which it is. If you want to donate money to the show, uh, uh, Tommy LB has distinguished himself, and, and uh, I was going to show him Show him one of the diapers that <laughs> actually I, I bought. But to answer your question, Mr. LB, her name is 
uh, I try to pronounce it the way my wife pronounces it, Cora. Well, you don't say it like an American. Like an American is that short vowel, Cora. She says Cora, a long vowel sound, not Cora, like Americans would say it. And uh, and Chacha is Chacha. So that's her name, Tommy LB. Nah, nah, with a K, with a K, man. So, uh, so got Decibel, got the fight book, it showed up. I think about what to do with it. It's uh, you see, it's got the marks. She got it used, so it's got you know, she got the used thing, and they did they, they do this to tell it's used, and so it's not in mint condition. You got a little bit of that. It's not in mint condition. You know, you could see the the edge, but uh, if you got it new in the store, you would most assuredly be able to complain. But if you got it new from the store, I wouldn't sign it. So that's the deal. Anyway. Um, let me tell you where we are at 128. Um, yeah, any hard copy you see, get it, give it to me, um, because they, uh, Harper Collins, who put it out, will not reprint it, um, and they've sold out of all the hard copies because they're selling it now as an ebook. Um, so I'm one of those hard copy valuable guys. I can take the hard copies on the road with Oxbow, with Gunwell, Solo, can sell them at the merch table. It's a real artifact versus just some electronic stuff on your on your on your on your dealy bopper. So anyway, I'm sitting around, and uh, uh, um, yeah, the next one is on the Melvins. <laughs> oh yeah, speak it actually. It was kind of cool. I don't know, you, you know, the onion, right? It's a comedy thing, and then there's a new one for people who like mostly like music called The Hard Times. And uh, I think I tweeted it out to those of you who follow me on Twitter. It was <laughs> the last time. Last time I saw a black guy at a at a show, uh, <laughs> last time I saw a black guy at a show, it was Oxbow. But to be fair, I don't think it counts because he was on stage screaming. That was very funny. And incidentally, then in it, we're gonna, I'm, I'm not going to spend the whole show talking about talking about race. But I'm reading this thing, this the new decibel, as is my habit for a long time now. I get it every month. Me and uh, Josh Barnett, and there's an interview with. Um, uh, Cami Gilbert. I don't know who she is. Her band is called Oceans of Slumber, and that's kind of cool. And the, the subhead says, o Oceans of Slumber vocalist on being a black woman in the very white male uh, white male world of metal. And that's, that's like, like if she played if she played basketball, you know, professional basketball, uh, and she was white, you could say very much the same thing. I'm not, you know. And then the writer is my friend Jay Bennett. Right, who we text back and forth during the week. He used to be, an, oh, I think he still is, I's a Gemini. So I'm reading this, and he's talking to her about being a woman in the band, race, and so on. And the question that comes up is, I have a friend who happens to be black, and he fronts an all-white band that plays to mostly white audiences. When I've asked him about that dichotomy over the years, he's weirdly dismissive of it. He says he's not as obsessed with race as most people in this country. Uh, as most people in this country are, and he's used to being surrounded by white people. I haven't talked to him about this since George Floyd's murder, but you're obviously coming from a different place. So naturally, uh, since it's very easy to tell that Jay Bennett doesn't have a lot of black friends, I knew he was talking about me. And uh, and then I'll just I'll read you what I texted him. <laughs> uh, and so uh, and he had texted me. Un, uh, in, inexplicably more so than usual this week, and I guess he thought I had seen it yet, and I hadn't really seen it yet. And uh, I say to him, 
weirdly dismissive. I go, ha, weirdly dismissive, not even. Just not as impressed with whiteness as some white people are. Ha, ha, ha. And he says, busted. To be fair, I'm not impressed with whiteness either. And it's just, you got to understand that America's people from both sides of the aisle, black and white, have always given me a hard time about this. But you got to understand, if you're comfortable with your, it's like, I don't wake up, I don't wake up any on any day with any serious questions about homosexuality versus heterosexuality. It's just not. It's just not something I'm contemplating because I feel comfortable in my skin as a heterosexual male. I don't spend much of my time waking up in the morning thinking about about race because I feel comfortable in my skin as an African-American male. You know, I mean, if if you think about it, what he's suggesting there is, is a weird kind of world where I'd wake up in a panic. And I would say, oh, my God, oh, my God, how come they're not? Where are the where are the black men in my house? I need more black men in my house. Right now, my house has a quorum of one black man. <laughs> I, I, I got to do something to 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 address this. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, uh, 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 my my daughter's uh, ex girlfriend. She lives in the back, and she's biracial. But that's not a this you know. I mean, yeah, this whole thing with race is. You know, and it's like you need to get people. Who's that one guy in the comments? You need to get the community. I live in a bit of a minority community, have for a long time. And I see people outside right now. I could see people outside leaf blowing uh, uh, their front yard. Latino cat after having used his hedge trimmer. I see another one that prick across the street with a white dog walking his dog. All that stuff from the all the hoo-ha from the media has got people's heads bent around strange stuff. Somebody once said, in, in my, one of my favorite moments uh, in an old knuckle up was a guy said, you're only rooting for him because he's black. And I said, hey, hey you know what? Hey, do, you, do you think that uh, Asian guys climb behind the back seat of their Toyotas or Hondas and were like, yeah, yeah, baby. We're showing those round eyes now, aren't we? <laughs> what the fuck? You know, someplace on some planet like this one, Earth, there are real people living real lives. And yeah, part of their lives is this kind of public identification with other. But man, it, it just boggles my mind. And it, it, I, I, don't get confused. I don't bear any, any, any ill will toward Jay Bennett. Jay Bennett's a good friend of mine. But I just, I just find, I find this moment kind of amusing. And similarly, I'm sitting around watching these fights yesterday. And uh, John bested me this week, but I, I only had like four fights on the card. And then one of them dropped out again. Kudalaba dropped out. Yeah, you, you exactly. You, you stop watching news. You don't get angry. It's designed to make you do that. It absolutely is designed to make you do that. And, you know, there's certain types of news that I find myself less privy to now that I, I, I this one now. Since for the last 24 years having kids, I, I just I can't stomach it. Crimes against children. I, I usually have to be forced to. It's usually got to be another reason. You know, that file that file I keep in my head because he was white. There's another one. This guy, this guy went to prison 
for kidnapping, raping, and attempting murdering a whole series of women in I can see the Florida of Texas, and he was sentenced to 45 years to life in prison, and they're letting him out <laughs> at 22 years because he showed a market improvement. Well, no, let me get this. Let me explain to you. He went from prison, and they figured he was having mental issues, so then they just sent him to a mental hospital. And the mental hospital means that they keep you there as long as the doctors determine that you're sick. So doctors who were not privy to really all of his case after 22 years said, ah, this guy's all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, it's okay. It's probably Florida. So they're letting dude out. And people in the neighborhood that he terrorized, some of whom are still alive, are like, just because he's talking about God doesn't mean this cat's okay. Do you understand that? Him talking about God and being okay or a very different thing. I mean, so now that I'm getting it, I'll see if I can find it for the rest of the show because I don't have an assistant like whole Joe game. I got to do this at the same time. I'll see if I can find it before the end of the show. But I'm sitting around. This is nothing to do with anything. <laughs> well, well, yeah, prisons, I mean, prisons are... Prisons are weird places. Like Richard Pryor once said, he said he used to think that same thing. He was yeah, you know, open the prisons, let people out. And said, until he started doing shows at prisons, and then the Richard Pryor line that immediately follows says, thank God they're prisons. Yeah, some people need some, you know, you need a timeout. Sometimes you need a timeout. Let me see. Uh, um, and, and, but prisons, I, I still, I'm doing a piece on Bastoy Prison, B-A-S-T-O-Y in uh in norway and it's a one you can't absolutely positively can't have it in america um but it's uh it's essentially a luxury resort and they have determined that if we take sick people in and treat them like healthy people we have a better chance of taking sending healthy people you know back into society you go well eugene they're probably taking low low risk offenders so no it's for everybody if you are a rapist a murderer it's on an island, and the catch is if you try to escape, you're out. You go back to general population, to the real jail somewhere. Um, it, I think your family, yeah, no, 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 he's not there. So he's not there. Where you don't, uh, there are no locks on the doors, but you have microwaves, tennis courts, you got your own place, VCR, DVD player. You can go catamaraning, you can go jet skiing. <laughs> Let's say Americans would be breaking in to live there. Seriously, this is honest to God. If 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 that kind of if that's the kind of jail you're offering, easily half of the people I know would break in to, to live there. Why not, man? You know. Um, so let's see. Uh, I can't find this guy. Uh, uh, maybe it'll come. I, I mean, I can do it and, and do both. Uh huh. <laughs> But prisons are a weird place. Like if you remember that story I said about that girl I used to date whose father was a chief warden at Sing Sing Prison. I mean, yeah, yeah no, I like the idea that Pastoy has of actually treating people like you expect that they're going to get out one day. Because right now what's happening and these cats are getting out. And it's like the Barabbas effect, you know. Ah, where was I? Okay, um, so let's see I really want to find this now because I don't want you to think I made it up. 
but I can't, I can't, I can't do both. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, we're in, we're in here. I mean, you like this one guy who I want to focus on. In the old days of Ozzy, if you got, if somebody else wrote your piece, like you're a real bears about prior coverage. If somebody else had covered it before you published, it, they would kill it. And like two days before I published, I think the Guardian got on it and published it, so they killed it. So I then I interviewed the warden and I interviewed some other people, and there was one guy there who had murdered his landlord. You know, they, they got into some argument, and they said, you know, maybe it was like, you know, could you turn your music down? And the guy, you know, he was known to take a little drink. I, I can't find it. I, you know what? I'll find it, and I'll, and I'll tweet it out. The guy was known to take a little drink. The landlord was bugging him about his music. I'm playing Pink Floyd too loud. And he, he goes up to his apartment. The landlord, you know, hits the floor with the broom. He gets a butcher knife, goes downstairs, stabs the guy several times. And goes back upstairs to listen to the rest of the music. That was one of the guys that was in Bastoy. And and you know, first of all, you understand in Europe they don't believe in life in prison. They think that's that's cruel and unusual punishment. You know, you kill somebody, you get like twenty years, and that's it. So I think he's one of one of the guys. And and the guy was regretful. He was like, ah, you know, Lalo was a pretty good guy. He he's the kind of guy I don't want to get killed by. If, if yeah yeah he did he chopped him up as well. Uh, and I, there, there were whole other parts of the story that I re can't remember. But I do remember, yeah, I think he chopped them up. And, like, it, I don't want the guy. Uh, there he goes, that prick. I told you, the guy with the white dog, and he acts like the dog is not pooping in front of my house. Bro, I got a camera. So I take the, the poop and I fling it across the street because I'm that small of a man. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he says, he, he, says he, he says he's better now. He says he's better now. He realizes that he had made a mistake. I don't want to be killed by that guy. I don't want to kill by the guy like Mark David Chapman, who's now another one who's born again and regret shooting Lennon. You regret it? You a day you regret it a day later. Oops, man, Eugene was such a nice guy. He, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I was a convenient vehicle for him to express some sort of negative emotion, and now he's okay. Nah, nah. And that's why I create a very, very difficult route of entry. One of you, and I'm not going to say your name because you might not. We were talking back and forth, and and I was saying my major preoccupation. I'm, this is a derivation of what we're talking about. My major preoccupation is how to how to transport as many weapons as possible on any given trip I might be taking. <laughs> you know. Yeah, Jack Henry Abbott. Yeah, um, I did, uh, you know, a lot of you don't know this, but one of the people that was supposed to write the back cover blurb for this book was Norman Mailer. And I remember that whole thing with Jack Henry Abbott. And if you want to read his book, In the Belly of the Beast, uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great book. Um, but that guy definitely, he needed to go to a halfway house. Um, yeah, well, Teddy Streleski was a different, this show has taken a, a complete divergence, but let's go with it. Teddy Streleski was a different case, maybe like Jack Henry. Streleski was a Stanford guy who, uh, and you don't know, the most bitter people in the world are grad students who were pretty much treated like slaves and served indentured servants by their, their thesis advisors. And he had this guy, this thesis advisor, and one day he went in 
and the guy started making fun of his shoes, and that was the day that Teddy had had enough. Yeah, well, just temporarily. There's still a bridge to what we want to talk about, the criminal psychology. So he reaches into his briefcase, he pulls out a, a claw hammer, and he, 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 he hammers the guy to death. That's not what's interesting in the story. They take him, diminished capacity, guy gets a seven-year jail sentence. Well, he gets seven years, uh, you know, good time, good behavior and probation. And so they go to release him. And they say, you just signed this. He goes, what's this? And he goes, well, it's a condition of your probation. He goes, what conditions? He says, well, you can't go to Stanford again. You can't go within 50 yards. Of the but he goes, I, I don't accept these conditions. They said, well, then you have to do your full ride. He goes, that's fine. Like I go to the store, I buy a banana. There's no more connection between me and the store and the banana. I leave, I come, I go. And I thought that was, it was super interesting. He refused to sign, went back in, served his whole time, which I think was 12 years. So he took a five extra years on it. And then when they let him loose, everybody, everybody around here was like, well, where is he? We don't know. Said, well, you know what? You don't have to know where I am. I don't have to report anything. I don't have a probation officer. I don't have to check in. I'm unfucked from your system. Now, Jack Henry Abbott was championed by Norman Mailer as being, you know, this up-and-coming writer. Eddie Murphy did a great skit on it where he plays Tyrone Green doing the poetry of Kill My Landlord, C-I-L-L, My Landlord. That was based on the Jack Henry Abbott thing. And so the Abbott gets out, and he's the toast of the town. He's going to all these A-list parties. He's having, he's, was it the, 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 Dan, was it that, was it, it was like the Lower East Side, right? He was, he was having dinner with these two women down the Lower East Side, and the waiter says something to him, and they exchange words, and, um, and then he either goes outside for smoke, or the waiter uh, decides to follow him outside afterwards, or the waiter invites him outside. Um, and Jack Henry Apple wasn't that big of a guy. But in any case, they both end up outside. Richard was the guy's name. And I wrote a piece about it for Ozzy. And a lot of people who are friends with dude wrote me. And they thought that I was maybe slightly too sympathetic to Jack Henry Abbott. And they were angry. And um, words are exchanged. A scuffle breaks out. And, and the dude is stabbed in the heart. The waiter is stabbed in the heart. Uh -huh. Yeah, the Japanese uh, uh, cannibal. So dude was stepping hard, and they get Jack Henry Abbott. They put him back in jail, and he, subsequently he, he hangs himself. Norman Mailer disappears. He's like people turning around facing him, kind of like Kathy Smith, the woman who gave John, who just died, who gave John Belushi the, the shot of heroin and cocaine speedball that killed him. And uh, to circle back so we don't have too many loose ends, Norman Mailer was going to write the cover blurb for the fight book based on his famous fight with Rip Torn. Rip Torn's daughter used to be a friend of mine from the hardcore scene in New York, uh, Angelica Page. And I just thought, one of the two of them, I got to get one of these guys, or maybe both to write the blurb. So um, I hadn't even started on Rip Torn, but I just started on Norman Mailer emailing back and forth. And then finally, after a few emails, he's like, yeah, sure, send me thing. He goes, how much are you going to pay me? And I just laugh. I've written many of Black, I've four, at least four. Nah, I don't think, Angelica, I don't think she was in the band. She used to go out with Nats from uh, Cop Shoot Cop. Um, so I don't think, uh, I mean, I've, nobody, I've done, my friend Adam Smyers got a book called Knucklehead. 
wrote the back cover for that. The guy who did the book on Screaming Jay Hawkins wrote the back cover for that. And uh, I got a top secret thing coming up. I, I don't want to mess it up before it comes out, but I think I'm I'm the guy who they tap in to do the, the, the blurb for Gang of Four, the box set that's coming up. I don't know if it's going to take what I wrote, but they asked me for it. I am. I mean, I got. I'm getting paid for that last one, but the others, I didn't get paid anything. Norman Mailer's asking me for money. Norman Mailer, who I just seen in Architectural Review magazine, where writers in their nooks, and his nook is like a three thousand square foot home on Cape Cod on the beach. I'm like, sure. The dude sitting in dirty underwear in a garage. Yeah, he'll be glad to give you some money for the book. I didn't say it like that. I don't want to be a wise guy. I said, well, nobody's ever asked for money before, but name your price. And I guess, you know, he's a writer. So the snark got through in the language, and Norman Mailer never got back to me. And, of course, as luck would have it, then he died. And I just say as luck would have it because there are a lot of people who gave me the high hand. Dennis Hopper, who I love, said through the interview, changed his mind, changed his mind, boom, and then he died. And it seems to happen. It seems to happen. Anyway. I'm sitting around watching these fights. So we're, now we're off of criminal psychology. And let me say, Jack Henry Abbott should have been in the halfway house. His, his transition back, kid, he had been in jail for some trumped up bullshit since he was like 19 or 20. He's just thinking, he's just thinking about life differently. If you've known anybody who's been in prison for a long time, it's just a different, it's just a different deal, you know? It's just, it's just a... And it's, it, 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 it's as you would expect any small space in which you fit way too many people who are dangerous. Everybody, if you go back and watch uh, that musical with Marlon Brando and uh, who's Marlon, is it Brando and Sinatra, uh, Dean, Mark, I can't remember, Guys and Dolls. And you see that kind of, the, the, seems like this very formal way that they're talking. Well, not, not Studs Terkel was the guy. I can't remember the guy who wrote it. But he was a famous chronicler of like street slang and, and street characters. Not Dalton Trumbull. I can't remember his name. You look guys and dolls, and he he goes. That's the way these cats would actually talk. These they had been in reform, in and out of reform schools since they were like 10, 11, 12. It seems to me the likelihood that you might want to actually play dice with me is okay for me. You know. So this is, they had, but it was more like Sinatra once saying, yeah, Sinatra, it was Sinatra, keep the party polite. That's it. So, you know, apparently Richard uh, Mandan, Mandan, like he was a karate guy, and, uh, and uh, you know, he took some kind of karate stance outside the restaurant, got stabbed in the heart. Jack Henry Abbott talks about that in the book. He goes, I don't have to think about where to stab you in the heart. I just know it's three buttons from the top. One, two, three. Third button. <laughs> Third button to the left. The problem with, with, with Jack Henry Abbott, in my mind, is that he ran. Is that he ran. He could have easily said, the guy worked in a restaurant, he was a waiter, went outside, saw he had a knife, took it away from him in the scuffle, he got stabbed and died. It was self-defense. But he was a prisoner in here. So... Um, Got a couple books, and Norman Mailer dies in the in the country. Anyway, I'm watching the fights, and, and and I start I start to think, I start to think of something. Like they mentioned somebody, and I was like, oh man, it happened right in front of our faces, 
and we didn't see it. We didn't see it. We don't even have to go back very many shows. We can go back four shows. And we were talking about the Attica moment. Attica, Attica, Attica. This is this, uh, this is Sally Fields moment where they were striking and all these people, Triple C, and they were resigning and then the money wasn't right. And then we blink and suddenly it's like it never happened. It never happened. Well, something happened. What do you think happened? What do you think happened? The bald one happened. The bald one happened because the bald one never sleeps. Or to, to quote the Apocalypse Now, you know, you spend only a portion of your time thinking about the bald one. The bald one spends all of his time thinking about you, not you specifically or me. So he's got an insurrection on his hands. Now, the temptation is to hate on the bald one this week because he spoke this week versus 2016. You know, it was what he was expecting in 2016 when he walked out the RNC. You know, this crowd, approval, recognition. He didn't, in a COVID convention, it was, it was, there was no expectation. Just a guy on the screen. And you go, okay, well, you know, a guy who essentially got got the love he got from, you know, casino owners. Naturally, it might have a preference for casino owners. But I remember, I got a long enough memory where John McCain was running around saying that this was human cockfighting. And not try. But what happened? What happened to all his Republican resistance to the MMA? What happened to that? What happened to that? What happened to the illegality of it? What happened to that? You know, the military, uh, a friend of mine, Tobias Nagley, who used to be the executive editor of Army Times, Military Times, uh, Air Force Times, all these, all those publications. He, as a favor to a friend and thought, covered this book. Covered the fight book. The mail, the mail afterward, how dare you take these tattoo fighting freaks that roll around in a cage and compare them to our honorable men and women of the, the United States Armed Forces. How dare. And now, between every fight, the U.S. Army, the U.S. Army is advertised, the Marines, the Navy, the Air Force. What happened? The bald one happened. How did the bald one happen? The bald one happened, and now he's a Republican? He's not so much a Republican as he is a Trumpian. Why well, thought a casino owner speak the same language? And so I start to, I start to think about the bald one. And, pe- and, and in response to him appearing at the RNC, people like, ah, oh, you piece of shit, you know, you guy, yeah, you know, that, and they're making fun of him. Ah, oh, you know, we, we, the last thing we need is a coarse talking, bald, splotch face, and they're going on and on. And I was like, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. This is some Wizard of, uh, Wizard of Oz shit. I know you want me to look over here, but I'm going to look over here. I'm only spending a fraction of my time thinking about the bald one. He's thinking all of his time thinking about what? And it's just like Walter White and Breaking Bad. At one point, Jesse goes, hey, hey, you know, you, what's, what's, what's with you anyway? 
Well, first you get the guy with cancer, you're dying, you want to put a little way a little money for your family. Well, you've done that, and then and then okay, you're not you're not in the, 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 the you know you're not a drug dealer, but you're in the meth business because you want to. And, and now it was it cash? You see, in the money business, what do you? What do you and Walter White looks at him because I'm not in the meth business. And he goes, uh, you know, I'm not in the money business. I'm in the power business. Jesse is looking at the plates. He's looking at the sausages. He's not looking at the sausages in the plates. Or the guy at AC at Crime Faces says, thug resume. The thug resume. You don't have to show people the thug resume when you can refer to the thug resume. I don't have to show you the plate with sausages if I can tell you I've got a plate with sausages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the one that knocks. <laughs> Man, what was that from? Oh, God. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it was from Break a Bad. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm the one that knocks now. That's what he said to his wife. I remember that was a great line. So I'm thinking I'm thinking about the Baldwin. For those of you who don't know, and I don't imagine it's any of you, we're talking about Dana White. And I was like, do you, re- I mean, do, do you realize what he's done? Do you realize what he's done? Let's go back. Let's not even go back very far. Okay. Triple C, Sean O'Malley, Johnny Boney Joni, Connor McRapist. Um, And let's just say there was one other person. Five. I can't off the top of my head. If you can think of before I finish out the thought, write in the comments who the fifth one was, who's complaining about money. <laughs> oh, Seth, where you been, man? Where, where you been? <laughs> uh, somebody's got to catch you up. I don't have time. It'll be a whole nother show right now. Um yeah, oh, George, yeah, thank you, George Masvidal. And systematically, while we were looking at this or that and the lights and the bells and the whistles, he says, okay, you want some money, George? Here you go. How about, you know, I'll give you some money. What does he buy? Does he buy George? He buys George. He buys George's silence. And he buys George a ticket to ride to no leverage. He bought out his problem. What's George going to say now? Give me another title shot. You had your title shot. No, no, that was a, a fluke. I, I filled in the last minute for you guys to help out. Help out? Did we pay you for that help? Well, yeah, but well, then that's not help. Yeah, but if you think I got, hey, wait, wait, wait. sorry, should have thought this through. Masvidal, bing, bing, bing. Tries to stay relevant by going, I'm a big Trump guy. I'm a big Trump guy. I'm a big Trump guy. Bing, bing. He's out. Mac rapist. Connor McRapist. Yeah, you know, I don't like the way the money's looking. I'm going to retire. Oh, yeah, really? Okay. You're going to retire. And we might have friends in newspapers who like the story of, what did I read? That fundamentally uh, Floyd Mayweather was carrying him for that fight. How do I know that really happened? 
Because the next day, Connor's uh, response was, hey, you know what? I was carrying him during that fight. Huh? Really? Well, really. So now I'm see what am I seeing? I'm seeing pictures of Connor on vacation with the two kids, and he's got his little sports jams on, and he's at the beach, at the pool, doing the family man. <laughs> ah, really? He's closing the door. He's putting on a lock. He he's putting in a light in the security system in hopes that the horse will come back into the barn. No. If you look inside the barn there, buddy, there is no horse. You got nothing. Who's the third one? Who's the third one? That one. Number three. Sean O'Malley. Yeah, man, I just, I'm not really complaining about the money, but I'm complaining about the money, man. I'm complaining about the money. You know, I need a better competitors. I need a better competitors. I need a better competitors. And increasingly, I'm a big Sean O'Malley booster, but increasingly, I waited for the Wednesday test. And after Wednesday, he's still talking crazy, competitive, competitive, crazy. But I'm starting to starting to buy what people are saying. Just a little bit. Because he's not acting like a guy like I got hurt in the middle of an IBJJF competition championship. I know what it is. I know the road back. And I know what I was thinking. I'm going to kill that guy. I've never met this guy in competition again, but that's what I was thinking. I wasn't sitting around thinking, oh, that guy sucks. He was really good. I, you know, what did that? So what did Sean O'Malley, okay, so what is he now, 12 and 1? That's not a bad record. The guy still got some cachet. But what has he lost? Leverage. How much did he get paid for that? How much of a bump do you think the bald one had to give him to buy out his ass? Eh? How, what percentage increase? 50%? You know in your heart of hearts it sounds crazy. 20%. Well, that sounds a little closer, maybe a little bit aggressive. 10%. Try that. And I don't know that from talking to John Nash. I'm just guessing. 22%. Yeah, 22%. Over. 22 good. Ooh, he's out. Johnny Boney Joni gets paid and gets what he wants. <laughs> he's like, I've proven everything I need to prove in light heavyweight. You guys are light heavyweight, and now suddenly light heavyweight is like, you know what he did? He jumped out of the front seat of a moving car. John, that's what Johnny Boney Jones did. He jumped out, did a roll, and he's walking home. And now the whole light heavyweight, like now Dominic Reyes is like, hey, you know, you know, I know what I said before. I just, I was listening to other people. I just got angry, but, you know, thanks for giving me the shot. And, you know. But because now the job of constructing a light heavyweight division is on your shoulders, now it doesn't feel it. Now you, there's no alpha, but you're the alpha. You're fighting for the alpha. And not only that, you gotta you gotta book this fight. I mean, you got you gotta sell it. You and Jan Blachowicz. You can win by losing and lose by winning. Somebody one of you is leaving that cage with a belt. But if the numbers suck on that, you'll be a steep egg. Johnny Boney Joni so far didn't get played. But in terms of this 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 uh, 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 insurrection that was being led over cash, bought out. And Triple C was a non-factor because he didn't have any cash anyway. 
it was like it was like the last five minutes of the Godfather. He essentially, through not a really major increase in anything, bought the silence of the five most powerful vocal voices in this kind of pay uh, fighter pay insurrection. And don't for a second feel like these guys have sold out have sold out younger up and coming fighters on the show. And now with the you know the passing of the Ultimate Fighter show and the ascendancy of the Dana White con, uh, con, contender series, you have to understand that, um, and he's say, putting this frame on it, if you are complaining about money, I got a dozen guys like it who will take, will take twice as much abuse for half as much money. Yep. That's, that's a yep to Scotty Pippen. Don't like it? Beat it. And you see the thing I, re, I, I retweeted out today where the guy, dude, uh, one of the early fighters in the prelims yesterday, he was like, man, they don't pay me enough for this shit. And Bruce Buffer goes, don't say that during your interview. Live Mike caught it. I mean, is it is it because the bald one is cheap? Because he's in the money business? He's got more plates and more sausages at home than any of us will ever dream of. You think he's building the, 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 the complex in the Apex Center and now the hotel? Because he's thinking about money? The thing is, people who don't have money think that people who have money are thinking about money, but it's like Walter White said. The, when you have so much money, you're thinking about other things. And power wouldn't be too far off the money. And I have to say, I have to say, I have to say, once you understand the game that's being played, you absolutely positively can't fault the guy. Even talking about words like fault, it just sounds lame and ridiculous and stupid. <laughs> it's like Yosarian's argument in Catch-22 he goes, they're trying to shoot me. He's not trying to shoot you. He goes, every time I go up in a plane, the plane gets shot. I have to, I'm led to the conclusion that they, they, they're trying to shoot me. He goes, they're trying to shoot everybody. He goes, what does that have to do with anything? He goes, well, I mean, you're afraid. He goes, yeah, what's the line that sticks in my head? He says, I'd be a damn fool to feel otherwise. I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, the only person I know who's done that, that selfless kind of shit with cash is involved, is this dummy. Me, for those just listening on, the, uh, on, on the SoundCloud, I'm pointing to me. I'll give you a brief, a, a brief intro. I'm uh, editor-in-chief of uh, EQ Magazine, a music recording magazine. And they call me in. They're trying to sell the magazines, all the magazines, guitar player, bass player, keyboard, drum, whatever, acoustic. They had a bunch of it was music player network. And they call me in. They said, Eugene, uh, we need, we're going to have to have layoffs. This is what we're going to have to do. And I go, oh, okay, that's kind of a drag, but uh, good. Okay, well, thanks for letting me know. Well, no, 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 no. You've got to lay somebody off. 
and we need to mitigate some 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 red ink here. And this, is, and I go, okay, well, how kind of how much red ink do you? You know, I got a small staff. I got like five people. How much red ink do you? And they said, well, we got about twenty three million dollars. We're trying to mitigate twenty three million. What are you out of your? You might as well just sell this magazine because this, the, the, this, the, 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 the salaries I'm paying is a drop in the ocean at 23 million. They go, okay, well, 12, 12. Even 12 million, it's, it's a drop in the ocean. Forget it. And besides which, I'm not going to fire the guy who dropped out of his master's program at Indiana University and flew all the way across the country to take a job, and he's been here a month. I'm not going to do that. Thing. I'm not going to fire my managing editor whose mother just died. And I'm not going to fire my close to retirement, uh, 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 you know, uh, gay head of design who just bought a house. I'm not doing it. And I go, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Eugene. That's not, not a problem. Come in Monday and say, Eugene, can we talk to you? You go, yeah, yeah, sure. Come on. So that we're laying you off. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, you pays your money, takes chances. Good luck to you. And they laid me off. Now, as luck would have it, <laughs> it's like the, those those three guys who get the book of poetry, the, the great, the, the best songs and poems in the world. The three people who I defended had very different reactions. Um, the, the dude who came up from Indiana University. He and I are still friends to this day, and he subsequently became editor in chief. Tried to hold the magazine together, and eventually the company sold. Those people tried to doctor the books. They got busted, got caught, almost had to give back a whole bunch load of money for cooking the books. So they got screwed. These are the people who laid me off and were unemployed for years and years after. They didn't go to jail. Uh, but the guy who I brought up from Indiana, he was a great writer, funny guy, was permanently turned off of journalism. Has never, he's gone the marking, never looked back, never worked as a journalist again. The, the, the industry lost him completely. The woman whose mother just died, she was very cool. She did the exact right thing. Just completely disappeared out of my life. Never heard from her again, talked to her again. Don't know what happened to her. The third guy who called me after it happened, oh, it was very sad. Never realized the nature of the sacrifice that was made for him. And when I asked him to design the cover, <laughs> of A Long Slow Screw, my novel, he got chippy with me. He was like, well, you know, I'm not doing this for free. Like, man, I, nobody's asking you to do it for free. They'll pay you real cash. He's like, yeah, well, I... And I said, see, see, this is the guy. This is what you get. This is what you get. But I had to live with myself. Now, there was another guy for another magazine who his best friend worked at the magazine the guy had gotten married. His wife had just had their first kid. Really needed the job. He laid that guy off. They came to him with the same deal. A few months later, that guy also got laid off. So the boss of this other magazine got hit with the same offer, laid off his best friend who just had a kid. And then three months later, he got laid off. So not only did he knife his best friend in the back, but then ultimately it didn't help him anyway. Which of us has a better time looking in the mirror? But keep in mind, I do understand my sacrifice 
in the body of this guy who refused to help me even for cash afterward because he thought, well, Eugene got struck by lightning. That's Eugene's fault or the lightning's fault. It has nothing to do with me. That guy was wrong. But knowing that there are people out there who will blame Eugene or the lightning is what lets you take that money. It's what lets Johnny Bonnie, Bonnie Jr. go, hey, man, you know, I did what I, what I had to do. You do what you have to do. But the natural disturbance analogy works in, in, in the name of the bald one because that's, that's the way it goes. <laughs> that's the way. There's no collective bargaining. There's no collective inside that cage. There's none. There is none. None. You know, one of the cats, uh, one of the pieces I, I worked on this past week was on John Legend. Yeah. And John Legend went to, to, to Penn, University of Pennsylvania, after having turned down Harvard and worked at uh, for Mitt Romney's company for a long time before he got famous. And he actually talks about how how, um, how being financial has made sure, helped him make sure that he's always having to explain Excel spreadsheets to his managers. Gibby from the Butthole Surfers also got his degree in like accounting. So you want to call Gibby a scumbag for turning his back on touch and go and Snatching out all the all of the uh, all of the masters from touch and go for the butthole surfers records they released, or for doing fundamentally the same thing to alternative tentacles after they put out the brown reason to live. Go ahead. It's just like me challenging Cain Velasquez to a fight, inadvisable and possibly unhealthy. Uh, yeah, you just show up, eh? <laughs> So, so the bald one, the bald one is like this force of nature. He's not even in the money game anymore. It's not even money for him. It's power. The, the hotel is power. There will, there will be problems in that hotel, but those problems won't extend beyond that hotel. And if there, if there are fights in, in, the, in, in the hallway, will be caught on camera, and it will be used as part of packages. Yeah. They'll fix it. They fix everything. That's the nature. The guy, a cardio kickboxing instructor created a multi-billion dollar a year enterprise. And I'm honest about it. I couldn't have done it. Well, I could have, but I didn't. I could sing better than Caruso if I wanted to. I just don't want to. And I'm not, not fooling yourself. Because if you're just focused on the money, you're just focused on the pot. Uh, if you're just focused on on, on on the drug or the money, eh, your end's going to be untimely. It's the power that allows all of that stuff to exist. In the end, they got Noriega. They got El Chapo. <laughs> you know who they didn't get? <laughs> you know who they didn't get? Any billionaire on that list. <laughs> They're not gotten. And now we have, except in, in Russia, but Navalny is not a billionaire. They did, Putin did get one billionaire and threw him in. And you know who, who, but he did it at the behest of who? At the behest of the other billionaires. It was like the NFL Team Owners Association. Is that why it's not our guy? Whatever, it's not our business. 
And so now this fight, I had, I think I had four fights on the four cares on the card. I refused to care about OSP. OSP got scratched again. They rescheduled for next week. I still don't care. Alex Cacaceres had a three, two opponent switch. How do you think these stories are getting killed? Because these guys are not switching three, three different opponents because the opponents are, ah, I forgot I got something on my calendar. I can't show up. These fighters are getting COVID. Now, my finer friends are like, yeah, you do this, not that. Well, let me tell you, all of my musician friends know that this is not bullshit. And they're aggressively affected because they're not playing shows now. They're not selling merch now, not selling records now, not touring now. Right? But the 10 people I know who died are all from that music world. And they've been living the rock. I don't want to play, blame the victim. They've been living the rock and roll, you know, drinking, smoking, drugging, living, having maybe a little bit of, in their 50s now. They get a little bit extra weight. Those of you who wish me happy birthday on Friday, thank you. That's the way I like it. If you remembered, Mr. V, thank you. Some of you others, thank you. I don't want to go down the whole list. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's like, you got you to gotta know that Oscar De La Hoya is not close to being a billionaire. So in the eyes of a billionaire, he's just a, he's just an up-and-comer with sausages on his plate and a coke problem. Who said some unkind things about him in the past? Not a factor. That was arbitrary and fun for him. Could it have been a ploy? Could they turn around next week and be working together? Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? So, so I'm looking. I'm looking at at, at the at the main fight, and I picked Rakich to win because he's trained by Roberto Pastouche, who a uh, long time uh, uh, Sorrell Academy cat, trained with us for about six months. Uh, German guy grew up in Argentina. Blonde hair, blue eyed, Argentinian, German parents. I what? What? What are you trying to insinuate? So I've been paying attention to Rakic for a long time. He's Austrian. Uh, well, he's Serbian, but then he grew up in Austria. So it was great when they were talking in the corner and they're speaking German. I was like, ah. but of course, you know. They're not talking about plans for global domination. They just say the same shit in German that you'd expect them to hear. It's like he's got you got him on his feet. Got to move on his feet. You know, keep keep your head. I want to take your head off the center line. It's like, but in German, right? Um. So I knew he was going to kill him. And and Anthony and Anthony Smith is. I love this guy. And his reaction post fight is exactly the is the healthy reaction. He's like, man. I, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, these guys, when at one point, Rake is just, he tried to tried to throw the guy and Rake just picked him up and threw him down. There was no art, there was no trip, there was no sanctioned move. He just picked him up and threw him to the ground. Because these guys are strong. Yeah. He goes, I'll never make 185. So maybe I go up. Or maybe they create a 195 pound division for me and and then somebody kind of goes to the Baldwin and the Baldwin goes, what? Huh? What? Huh? What? That discussion did. 
But a man who's aware of his place and space and understands this game is not serving me well. Good thing is I discovered from Steph that he's flinty. So he's got a modest house, got a mod, drives a modest car, he's keeping away. But I also discovered from Steph and John Nash that he's not getting as paid as much as I thought he was. If you're in your 30s, you got a 25 more good years of employability. You got to get cracking, you know. He was working construction jobs before. It's not going to be that fun to be, hey, he used to be. Yeah, yeah. Could you pass me the uh, the ratchet set? You know, I don't know construction because I said ratchet set. Could you pass me the impact driver? That's close. And Ray Kitch is just the kind of cat they want because he's like a I don't know what money is kind of cat. He's a young guy. He's excited to be there. It's a big show. It's America. It's Vegas. A lot. He's been away from his wife and his young kid. Okay. He's not going to ask for more money slash power. Not going to ask. And if he does, and what? You're in a division that's adrift. It's a dinghy adrift. Johnny Boy and Johnny called some big bluffs. So long, jumped out. Reyes realized. Reyes beats Blakovitz. And what? Who's he fighting next? I mean, like I said before, the most important person to you is that person in that cage with you when they lock it. That person can make or break you before they lay a hand on you. And now the spotlight moved from light heavy to heavyweight. And that does a couple of things. Because how many people interviewed Stipe last week versus how many people interviewed Johnny Boney Joni? And how many people will interview Reyes this week when the story at, as of Sunday is still Smith versus Rakich? How many people talk to Rakich at this point? The eyes, the money, the sausages, the power. <laughs> I, I, I got I gotta say, without a shot fired, this has been the most deft and, and, and cohesive coordination of, of power that I've seen in a long time. You think the NFL commissioner has the same latitude that the Baldwin has? You think the NBA commissioner does? Do you think that there is, do you think Don Don King at his height, do you think he controls? No. No. And at some, at some point, somebody was saying to me, Mr. R was saying to me, man, this kind of sucks. I was, yeah, but it makes it very easy for me to, to, to then watch the fights for free. Whatever guilt I might have had about that is gone. And I, started, and I doubled back on my own thinking. So, in other words, you don't care if the fighters get the money. Fighters never get the money. They never get the money. What are you thinking about? Money, that's on a plate back at the mansion somewhere. We're not talking about that now. 
We're talking about the fact that I think you should go on vacation, take your kids, be photographed next to the kids' school in some surfer jams, smiling the good daddy, and do that shit for about a year before so people can forget about the rape charges. That's what I'm telling you to do. Not asking. But because it's not 500 years ago and I don't have my own personal army, I'm not demanding anything. You're completely free to seek your fortune outside of the UFC. <laughs> yeah, family man is swinging, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Spoken word by Rollins. The name of Rollins frightens children. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, there's a temptation there's a temptation to want to, to rail against circumstance, to curse lightning, to, to you know, to, 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 to damn God, to that, that tidal wave. But, you know, man, yeah, that was actually a good, a good record. Art, art, artwork, too. There's a temptation. But, you know, at one point, at one point, yeah, uh, so, uh some woman was telling me. Um, <laughs> so some woman was telling me we're, we're breaking up, or not breaking up. She had, had suspected me of being uh, uh, not even suspected. It wasn't even on the table. She had questions about my fidelity. You missed the whole show. What do you mean I would never defend the ball? You missed the whole show, and now I'm getting around to summing up. So just be quiet. <laughs> So she wasn't so much accusing me of infidelity, but she wanted to raise it as a topic of a conversation so she could say what she said. And that was fundamentally, you know, I, I want to really be angry with you. I, I, I think she may have said, I, 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 I want to hate you. But then I remember, it's just Eugene. And if you understand that, you understand the Baldwin. You understand lightning. You understand elemental natures. Like that moment, that road to Damascus moment I had about, uh, I, can, I can tell you exactly when it was. It was 19, 1999 when I quietly embraced self and realized that I was done becoming, that I was being, I am. Like I've asked on the show before, have you ever looked at a cow and wondered whether it was a cow or not? You haven't. And if you live your life in the right way, as an adult, ultimately, you <laughs> correctly self-identify and quietly embrace that animal which it is that you are. Yeah, there are lots of things that interfere. There are lots of things that can interfere. Sometimes a law, sometimes good taste. What I told myself at the time was, I notice in every instance when people quietly embrace self, it's great for the individual, but lousy for the collective. Hitler gets struck blind on the mountaintop, is hospitalized, his life takes a whole completely different turn, becomes a brutal dictator, murderer, psychotic. 
Was he unhappy? Not till the end. And then even at the end, he, when he gave the Nero order to destroy what was left of Germany, and Speer was like, yeah, well, you know, the German people, he's like, fuck the German people. They failed me. What did they do? What personal responsibility was that guy carrying? No. Quiet embrace himself. Stalin lived out his full life. Him and Edith Piaf, no regrets. Regrets, that bad tattoo says. Yeah, there, there's yeah, yeah, there's there's a balance. I, maybe. So with my quiet embrace of self, I go, you know, as long as I don't damage the collective, I'm okay embracing that which it is that I am. And it, for me, you can't bury it. Oh my God. Uh, for me, that meant people I love and care about. Yeah, you see plenty of fathers who are out embracing them, embracing the selves that they are. They're out drinking and drugging and spending up the money. I had a tow truck driver one night. Seemed like a pretty bright guy. Start talking. A Asian kid. And somehow we just were standing there by the car and we had this, this moment we started telling me his life story. And he had gotten into an Ivy League school. He got to school. Was doing everything that school kids do. Studying. His life was in front of him. His mother calls him crying, tearful. Got to come home. He finishes out the quarter. Comes home. Turns out that his father has left. Not only has his father left, but his father left having a crippling gambling addiction. Spent all the savings, remortgaged the house. The mother got evicted. School was out of the question. And he and his brother ass out. Bye-bye, Stanford. Had to get a job. So they could pay for the apartment that they all now lived in. That father quietly embraced self. I'm a gambling piece of shit. Sorry, that's what I am. Cow, cow. So I told myself if 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 I found myself doing that, that I would correct. If I found the way in which I quietly embraced self, whatever way that manifested itself, if it damaged the people around me, then I would stop even if I felt it to be a great cost to myself. The bald one quietly embraces himself. And I have to honestly say, I have to honestly say, what's the complaint? What's the complaint? Because if the complaint is just about money, about the sausages on the plates, then we're talking about percentage. We're talking about percentage I could fix. Like hate said, what, 22%? Is that enough? Can I fix things with 22%? Because the guy who abandoned his family and ran them into a ditch and lost the house and had his kids yanked out of college, 22% wouldn't have helped him. 22. So if the bald one can crank it up to 22% and improve the lives of people whose lives are already pretty improved, 
I mean, for everybody who claims foul in, in the face of the bald one, there, there are at least half a dozen people who are like, ah, oh, man, my life was turned around. Grasso, and I, I talked about this on the Care Don't Care, Grasso came out and, her, and, and, and you know, her speech, for those who have ears to hear, her post-fight speech was essentially like, take my pants off, take my shoes off. You have to know I'm thankful that you are fucking me. That's not likely to get you a sausage or a plate. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it's what it's money is an abstraction. It's what it's worth to you. Andy Grohl from Intel once told me money is not the issue. Money rarely makes people happy. He was a billionaire, of course, so I expect him to say that. But fundamentally, he's right. Every single person who's been busted as a spy has given the same re- Aldrich Ames on, on through has been given the same reason. They were unhappy employees. Money didn't make a difference. And the bald one realizes that. You know how he realizes that? Because it doesn't make a difference for him. After a certain point, it ceases being a factor. And you leave and hang out in yachts. Or you get into that Walter White space where I'm not in the drug business. I'm not in the money business. I'm the power business. And power, I'm going to create a universe. I got the hotel. I got the training center. I got the commercials. I got the videos. I got, and I have a payroll with over 600 people on it who are paying for mortgages and car payments and kids' educations. I mean, I don't think it would be out of the question for the bald one to say, how about a little fucking gratitude? I mean, in my mind, he's been a million times more successful than the president whose convention he just spoke at. I don't say that. I don't think he's interested in that. Because there are too many levers he can't control in the presidency. But as far as I could see, in terms of a combat sport, a sport, there is none more solid. They just came out with the the, the, the Brazilian hooker who was trying to extort him, just came out, that this happened, and he's like, hey. If you watch Schindler's List, it's a great scene where his wife comes to the door and a woman in the bathrobe answers, and he's in the back bedroom, and he's got a bathroom on, and the wife comes in, he goes, oh, it's great to see you. She wanted to hate him too, but in the end, just Oscar Schindler. I mean, what he's what what he's saying, what the Baldwin is saying, what anybody who's left behind the plates and the sausages is saying, is like consider it in the balance. Consider it in the balance. I've quietly embraced self, and I got six hundred people on the payroll. And moreover, moreover, you got to think about what he hasn't done. You know, I interviewed Kevin Weeks, who is a Whitey Bulger's or Jimmy Jimmy Whitey Bulger's right hand man, and he was one of the people that drove that drove uh, uh, the Baldwin out of Boston. Uh, uh, if the if the Baldwin had been really small minded, 
I'd have gone back to Boston. I'm not saying I'm, I'm going to kill dude, but I'm saying I'm doing a lot of muscle flexing. Why? Because I could. Nah, 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 nah. I'm still thinking about plates and sausages. I don't have plates and sausages. Baldwin is thinking about this up here, and that's where the lightning comes from. Anyway, that's the show. I mean, you you want to hate the guy? Look, he's coarse. Um, it's the environment. He he's braggadocious. He he's got a, a right to be. Got a right to be. It's like that great P Diddy line: "When I score with a horse, she'll be down for sure." Drag pimp so hard, drag his mink on the floor. Any bitch fucking with me, believe me, that's a privilege. Something like that. And I hated that line for a long time. Hated it. And I realized, hey, I, I don't know too many black billionaires. He's probably right. Probably right. He's probably right. <laughs> it doesn't mean I have to like him. It, and he doesn't care whether I like him or not. It doesn't, I can stop watching his fights. It wouldn't make a difference. How many people would to, because, you know, because he's got the sausages and the plates are not going to disappear. <laughs> Only fans. I got to get Only fans. So. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So uh, I already tweeted out the Millie Jackson piece. They keep delaying my Starsky piece. I'll tweet that out. If you follow me at Eugene S. Robinson, they will, uh, 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 you might see it. Uh, the sex column is a howler. Famous cucks for 200. And that hits tonight or tomorrow. I'll tweet that out. Monday afternoon, Care Don't Care preview, in which we have a cataclysmic first time never happened before since 1999 event. Oh, the Oxbow, the new Oxbow record. Yeah, well, we got we got the symphony that's showing up for that. We got to figure out how to record a symphony socially distant so and that's going to be that's right now what our time is being occupied with and you're, and you're the first one to hear that i hear the sound of a little dog who's about to have his head kicked off my body i hate that i blast him with the the the, the hose as often as i get anyway yeah you should you should you should get it on wax it'll be good and monday uh care don't care tuesday we have uh if the shoes fit if the shoes fit with uh, the second part of for a dollar, you get uh, a, a, a peek in the Kid Nate's uh, Let It Roll podcast. We talk about hip hop evolution, which is cool, kind of cool. And I'm not often in a position to talk about hip hop. People don't expect it from me, but I was naturally there in the early days as well. I'm like uh, Forrest Gump. So uh, that's it. And then uh, maybe the Starsky piece will happen this week. If you follow me at Twitter, you're guaranteed to, you know, um, you're guaranteed to get it. That's the only thing I can tell you. It's, it, it gets hard to find stuff at Aussie.com because uh, it keeps changing the page, but it, it, it is there. So I'm hoping you live until next week. The show went a little bit over, but it was worth it. Um, my heart goes out. And I didn't even touch on the Lawler thing because why? I mean, let, let me, before I, 
Neil Magny saying, and this is howl-worthy, Neil Magny, who is a gict, uh, uh, he's not a gicta, uh, so that, you know, but he's a, a gict non-parial, um, says, okay, first of all, before I go too far, let it be established, law is done. Yeah, early punk and early hip-hop were, were very, very similar. Um, and he says, it's only a matter of time until I'm a world champion. Know what that sound is, Mr. Magni? It's missed, and I will not get drawn into your gift game. I will not. Lawler's gone. Don't know. You know, it happens. It happens with a lot of cats who come through Coconut Creek like that. Don't you remember Thales, uh, the pit bull, uh, that cat, the Brazilian guy? Had it all, and, you know, got the, and then just got it trained out of him somehow. Don't expect to see him again. And there were other fights in the card that I, I didn't really care about. I cared about four, lost one, ended up with three. And I just talked about two. So we're done. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Inshallah. Um, uh, also known as God willing. But, uh, you know, we're not going to get religious here on the show. So uh, we'll see you soon. Look what your baby do. She's still sleeping.